Hi, I'm Les Carlson, and this is Fred Lynch from PID. Of course, this is the first show. Here we go. Rewind! <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was time to get live with PID and get live. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. rap. That's what's rap. That's, that's what's the real up. thing. That's rap. That's the that's real rap. thing. I'm so that's glad. That's that old school, baby. I am so glad you are here as the old school representative. Les, I'm glad rap. to be here, man. It's fun. This is great. Oh man, you 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 uh, you got some kids to educate to the to the old 
Oh yeah. Old rap. Yeah, we have and some you good can stuff. Do it. You can and do it, brother. It's cool stuff that's happening today. I, I I don't, you know, disparage it, you know, and nothing like that. Now, some of the stuff I'll look at and probably just like folks looked at us and said that's not real music, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh it's some cool stuff that's happening. And most of those that are really taking it forward are those that do have their roots in what was. Well, so let me really say cool. the deeper the roots, uh-huh. the taller the tree. Woo! And you guys were the, the sweet roots. of the fruit. Bam. <laughs> But anyway, welcome again to another amazing Frontline Records Rewind show. I'm Les Carlson, and I'm here with Fred Lynch from PID. And what does that stand for, Fred? Preachers in disguise, baby. Yeah. Yes, Yes, indeed. And we are so fired up. Dude, you got a smile. I wish the whole world could see that. (laughs) Ah, well, thank you, man. I know you told me you got it from your mom and dad. I got it from my mom and my daddy, And that's only right. You know, what's funny, uh, talking about hip-hop, and uh, I was hanging out with uh, uh, what we, I guess you would call an industry head way back in the day. This was a guy, actually, I don't know if some folks would know it. I'll go and give a shout-out to him, Alan Weed, who was a part of the whole, uh, what was that that they did uh, where they would do discipleship through music? And they would send the music out to different youth groups and all of that. So he was over that. And I'm trying to remember the name of the the program. Well, anyway, Alan Wee was hanging with me and we were laughing one day. And he said, you know, he said, you know, you know, I know one reason why you guys could have sold a lot more, but you didn't. And and we did. We did fairly well. I mean, we did about 100, 150,000 albums. Now, Adele's here. She probably say, I could tell you exactly what you did. (laughs) You know, but in my mind, we did about one hundred fifty thousand all the albums yeah, we yeah. sold. But that's okay. reaching one hundred fifty thousand so, people. So, you know, so 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 uh, he was uh he said, man, you guys could have sold a lot more albums. And I was like, well, how do you think so? He said, if you would have smiled on your albums, why didn't you ever smile? He said, you got a beautiful smile. Why didn't you ever smile on it? I was like, Alan, it's hip hop, man. You In the eighties and nineties, nineties, nobody smiled on their hip hop album. <laughs> That would have just been like a straight mark. You know, you're smiling. Happy black man. <laughs> I had to be. I don't see any now, pain here's, there. here's the deal. Here's the deal. Is that, and this is what I've equated, I've come to, is that what that, 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 uh, that, that ice grill, that's what we call it, that mm-hmm. ice grill, you just looking hard, just, yeah. what that was about was saying, I'm serious about my art. I'm serious about society. I'm serious about what I'm talking about. Yeah. In fact, if you look at like the old preachers of like 80, 90 years ago, none of them smiled either. Mm. Uh, they looked the same way, like they were mad. Mm. Oh, I've got, I got the Bible, I'm holding the word of God, yeah. I'm mad. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. what they look like. I mean, all the great ministers, yeah. but it was where they were saying, I'm serious about what I'm doing. I'm yeah. serious about my calling. And I think that was the phase that hip hop was in at that time. It wasn't until like what DJ da- Jazzy Jeff and Fresh Prince, when Will Smith came on the scene, mm-hmm. I'm the rapper, he's the DJ. And he smiled. He broke the whole barrier, you know. But uh, Alan Weed was like, "Man, if you guys would have smiled, you're you're in the Christian industry, in the Christian world. It's mostly you know white moms that's buying your album, and you looking all hard. Ah. They're not wanting to buy your album." <laughs> But our whole deal was like we wanted to be true to the streets, and that was our target and who we were about, who we were about connecting to. And so yeah. uh, that was how we did it. But now I don't have a problem smiling because I'm 49 years old. Uh-huh. Well, you know, <laughs> and I know who I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fred, it's the same thing. Uh, I was, you know, in Bloodgood. Yeah. And we looked like 
Motley Crue. I mean, yeah, we yeah, yeah. You like guys look bored. Rockers, <laughs> secular rock band. You could I imagine. Remember, I remember. You know, and the Christians had a, a rough time with that, but that's what made us believable. Mm-hmm. So that when we came in and sang about Jesus with heavy metal in your face kind of stuff, yeah. looking like the real guys in the world, yeah. you know, it made sense. And so it's like the same thing. It's the same. Yeah, thing. you had to come in. Yeah. Believable. Yeah. And and preach the truth. Yeah, and 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 I'm a firm believer in embodying the culture that you are out to connect with. Yes, you connect with that culture by embodying them. It's to me, it's the whole concept of incarnation, and the word became flesh, uh-huh. and and it dwelt among us. Jesus, I love how uh, it yeah, says he- in the message, the word put on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Yeah. And it was just like everybody else in the neighborhood. And uh, that's the beauty to me of the whole gospel is that whatever culture you're from, the the gospel can embody that culture and 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 show the goodness of that culture and bring it out, whether it's blood good, whether it's PID, mm-hmm. whether it's trap music, whether it's, you know, rockabilly, you yeah. know, whatever the case is, it's just saying, look, this is culture and God so loves this culture that he will embody himself in yeah. the face of that culture yeah. just to connect with that What culture. a great example he was to us. No doubt about yeah. it. No doubt. Uh, Hudson Taylor, yeah. uh, the yeah. missionary that went yeah. to China, yeah. went there in a suit, you know, doing mm-hmm. the, looking very Western and everything, and reached no one. Exactly. He began to assimilate into their culture, and he was extremely successful yes, after he that. Was. So, yeah, and, 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 yeah, the word became flesh. That's it. To reach us. I did, I, did, I did that in a rhyme. I said, and the word became flesh and manifested our midst. And we beheld him at his best, a style that none could kind of fit. And we knew that God had come down like father, like son now, true from beginning to end, good from the inside out. And to me, that's a translation of what the, what the word did. He was true from the inside out. He was just like father, just like son. If you really want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Yeah. No doubt. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So how did you come to know the people at Frontline Records? Oh, my gosh. Ooh, let's take it way back, man. Okay. In uh, the beginning. Let me, take, let me take it back. Okay, we did back in 87, I want to say 88, 87. We did a show at Cornerstone Festival. Way back in the day where it was just in Chicago, Mm -hmm. right outside of Chicago, the whole Cornerstone Fest. And we did, we rocked a show and it was the prize was to win a record deal. And that was with Caesar Kalinowski. Shout out to my man. We used to call him Sneezer. Sneezer. (laughs) Sneezer. Sneezer is a cool brother. He's actually big shouts to Caesar. Caesar Kalinowski is up in Seattle now. He's a pastor uh, with big handlebar uh, mustache. (laughs) He's the only handlebar mustache pastor I know. Dude is cool in the mug, right? And so (laughs) he owned uh, a record label that had mostly. Uh, hardcore uh, uh, rock and roll on it. So yeah, it had, yeah. you know, the yeah, whole I, deal. Yeah, I sang a Metal Praise album at yeah, the yes. studio. Yes, Did you? Okay, so, so, yeah. so, so that was the, the prize is to get that record deal, okay? So, yeah, Cesar Kalinowski, he had a, he had a, a record label called Graceland, uh, which to us was funny because it sounded like Elvis or something. We was like, why do we want to be uh, on? Uh, yeah, you know, but yeah, anyway, that was Cesar. Cesar is, you know, he's the man. He's cool dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the only hip hop group that year and we were on the talent show. So we did the talent show. Uh, we felt that we won 
Man, we went and bought our British knights. We bought our, we had the big fat gold chains. We had the the turntables. Like, uh-huh. and so it was hard to actually rock with turntables because when you're getting into it and you want to jump or, you know, and we we would hit the stage like rhinos, man. We'd just go in. Ah! <laughs> and you had to be careful because you'd make the record skip, you know. Uh-huh. So, so we were just, we were doing our thing, rocked it, felt great. The, the crowd went nuts, but we didn't win the 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 uh they they the to us the crowd was like oh they were they were great because it was novelty it was hip hop uh-huh. but these were mostly metalheads yeah so metal group one and it was just like a movie I mean we were just we were the man we were teenagers we were 16, 17 years old like we won that man bump these fools we won that yo you know we we was we were all emotionally jacked up bump these fools bump these fools we won that I don't care about what they said forget Chicago man hip hop you know this is how we were yeah yeah and and Caesar Kalinowski came backstage and he said look guys. Look, you got second place, but I want to let you know you got second place because most of the crowd, they like metal here, but you guys won my heart. Uh-huh. I want to sign you. Awesome. And so that's how we got, we got, so we got on, Graceland Records was the label that we were on that we got signed to. Yeah. Frontline Records ended up buying their record label. Ah. So, so the first time I met Jimmy Kempner, who was the owner of Frontline Records, Jimmy Kempner came in the store. Not, I, I didn't realize this dude was a millionaire. He came in the office, jumped up on a chair, and started dancing. And I'm like, what's this white man jumping up on this chair? Dancing for. <laughs> he was like, I love you guys. I've been listening to your tape. I've been listening. Because back then it was tapes. You see? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I've cassette. been listening to your tape cassette over and over and over again. And he jumped over the wheels. And so we just we just kicked it off, man. And hearing his whole heart of wanting to reach culture, mm-hmm. what that was about. Uh, my whole background was that I was raised by a person that's an evangelist and taught me to evangelize. And so, uh, you know, at 14 years old, I was the kid knocking on the door with a big family-sized Bible, asking people, can I pray for you? You know, and, uh, you know, that was my back, my beginning of what PID was all about yeah. for me. Yeah. So, Yeah. So that's how, wow, I never knew D- Jimmy danced like that. Yeah. Especially, Jimmy, especially it really wasn't, let's tell me, it really wasn't a pretty dance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was a little bit it like was, on the front and the back of the beat. I was like, what is this? <laughs> but his heart, his heart was right. His heart was right yeah. in the right yeah. place. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was that was uh, how we connected with uh, Frontline Records, and was so excited. You know, we we were in our teens early. By then, I was about nineteen years old to get a record deal and to represent hip hop. You know, for cop for God. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I was just that was world miraculous. Man. That was miraculous. God in your life, doing yeah. things. Yeah, doing stuff, yeah. man. So it was really cool. Yeah, that's the upside. Yeah, it is. What's the downside? What came along, where, which really isn't a downside, sure. as we've discussed. Yeah. Because the downside is where we, where we learn all this stuff. Right, right, well, right. Uh, so the, down, the downside, I would say, was the uh, life. So I'm 19, and I'm trying to learn how to live life. I remember at 17, 18, uh, I just finished doing a rhyme uh, that I'm, somebody asked me to do a, co- a compilation on, and I go back to 1985. 
Okay, and I'm gonna see if I, I, I and I talk about 1985 was the summer, and that I I remember uh, it says uh, now now come on I'm gonna take you to the dawning of the saga when the genre genre was inaugurated. Hip hop had me fascinated, locked me hypnotically. Chanting the mantras was more than a fashion statement, and so I remember that kid at, at, that I was at 15, 16 years old in the summer, and and I put in the rhyme. I love this part. I said. Um, uh, uh, I said, beatboxing into a Panasonic, dubbing the cassette so I can rap on top of it, my very own hip-hop starter kit. And so what I did is I got two <laughs> little, if you guys remember those those old black cassette players, like yeah. the one that you could hold in your hand, uh-huh. We got I got two of them, and I beatboxed on one. With so I recorded myself beatboxing, and then I played it and recorded myself rapping to myself beatboxing. It was my own hip hop starter kit. Perfect. <laughs> I did it at uh, at sixteen years old, and of course, it was an old school rhyme, man. This was back in the eighties, so the rhyme was "Come one, come all to the best story ever told before." It's about a man called Jesus Christ, the one who came to give his life. You know, you have to, you have to raise it up you know curtis blow style you know, the one who came to give he his life <laughs> and and i remember at 15 16 writing that doing all of that work because i didn't have nothing to do it was, i was bored it was summer i didn't have school mm-hmm. and i did it and i listened to myself rap and i laughed and i said oh that was fun and i just put the tape down never knowing never that knowing that, was. that three years later uh-huh. i'd be in a studio actually doing it wow you the know? title of that song was oh i didn't even put a title to it it Ooh. was it was it was oh. just you know it was just it was yeah. old school curtis blow rhymes that did it ever get recorded no no never oh. gave it got recorded i i just it was I, 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 was, I was seeing that it was a, a fi- great yeah a great segment into the song it never got recorded i never did record maybe it. you didn't have to record it i now never th- yeah really really i just go back and just get some old school yeah. beats and, and just get those cassette recorders yeah dude. so 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 i remember doing that and uh and I remember probably maybe a year after that, I went to Bible school at 16 years old. And uh, I remember being in Bible school after my first year. And I remember walking. I used to have this spot. Uh, it was in the parking lot in the very, very back of the Bible school over by the track. And I would that was my prayer, place of prayer. And I remember walking that place and thinking about rap and hip hop, this our Bible school was in the hood in Dallas, Texas, in Oak Cliff. It was Christ for the Nations Institute, mm-hmm. and I remember walking, and you'd hear people riding with their, you know, uh, beats going up. Back then, it was kind of like, you know, Houdini, Friends, boom, boom, boom. How many of us have them? You hearing the Friends going, you know, and this doom, Scott, the doom, the doom, God, you know. And I'm listening to that while I'm praying and saying, God, somebody, and I remember saying this. God, somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to do something that uses the word and glorifies you. Yeah. And I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit said, yep, yeah. somebody mm-hmm. needs to do it. So why don't you do it? Yeah. And uh, so, so, so when you say the downside, I'll say this. The call along with growing up in life, and I know this because now, I mean, the whole concept of us preachers in disguise, I really am a preacher. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I know that I was called to be a communicator. Yeah. And I wanted to take the expressions of my culture and use it to do what I'm ultimately called to do, and that's to communicate. 
Yeah. So that's why I got into hip hop and got into rap. I know preachers today that are great on stage, but they are terrible to live with mm. because they don't know how to live. They don't mm. know life. They mm. don't know people. Mm. And people, people, the most important thing <laughs> in creation. It's we're the crown of creation, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. before God stopped it all, you know, and put it into into loop mode. Mm-hmm. See, see, Sabbath was loop mode where he's like, that's enough, put it into a loop and it'll start all over again, right? Mm-hmm. So before he went into loop mode, he made us the crown of creation. Mm-hmm. And so people, relationships are the most important thing on the planet. And so many of us, especially in the Christian world, we we fail at relationships. Mm-hmm. And so when you say downsides, I, I see my whole career with PID, I see some successes. I also see some failures that we had with relationships, mm-hmm. you know, learning how to get along with each other's groups, learning how to get along. I know so many that came from that first era of hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of them, you know, had failed relationships in terms of from marriage to their children and so on and so forth. And, you know, so many of us all are touched by that. And now I don't necessarily, you know, I look at that and realize it that what it really was was opportunities to learn. Yeah. So not necessarily just failure in relationships, but it's really like this, you're going to get this lesson mm-hmm. over and over again. You might get married <clears throat> once or twice. until <laughs> You learn the lesson of knowing how to live for somebody yeah. and love somebody. And so those were some of the downsides. I, I you know, started out as a group with my best friend, you know, and uh, we ended up not becoming best friends anymore. Uh-huh. You know, because of whether it was money and, you know, trust and knowing how to get along and, and, and share ideas and yeah. all of that. And then, you know, I still at the same time, I have one guy that's still a part of the group that is is my actual best friend. He, yeah. he came and he took uh, the place of the other lyrical guy, Barry G. Um, <clears throat> big shout out to Barry G. He's an amazing dude, amazing man. Uh, he was in my youth group. Uh, he was about a year and a half younger than me, and I was supposedly the youth pastor at 17. Now, that's what happens when you have an inner city church. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. So yeah. I was a youth pastor at about 17, 18 years old, pastoring these kids, you know, that are 13 to 18 themselves. And uh, that's where we started our group PID from. Yeah. You know, and so we started out as best friends, and somewhere along the line, we forgot how to be friends. Well, uh, when I say the downside, uh, the way that we interpreted it was it seemed like everything that we did out there on the road, the blood blood good would go out and preach the gospel, and it would seem as if the enemy, our adversary, was after us on At every, every turn. <laughs> every turn. And so it sounds like maybe he was doing the same to you. Because when you're yeah. out preaching the gospel, he hates you. Yes. He, you know, yeah. now, you're, now you're being vocal, yeah. and I need to. Yeah. You know, and God will take whatever he does and... You know, and, and take what was meant for evil, turn it to good again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that was my question was, was kind of based on yeah yeah what was some of yeah. the hard days what, what hard, happened? hard nights because now you signed a record deal and all yeah. that yeah but then what happened because now you're preaching the gospel sure what did the enemy so, so, do so so well we signed the record deal we come um, one of our first event deals that we did with Frontline was uh, we were connecting with Josh McDowell <coughs> oh yeah at this time more way back in the day more than a carpenter yeah. 
Josh is one of my mentors. He mentored me awesome. for about over a decade, and he, he's, he's still my hero. He's oh. one of the reasons yeah. that I got saved. Is that right? Yeah, I read his I believe book. that. Big shouts yeah. to Josh. Yeah. Josh Lane. Thank you, Josh. <laughs> Josh McDowell. Yeah. Much love to him. Uh, we we did our stuff, and that was so. That was like in '89 or so mm-hmm. when we got signed with uh, Frontline. Frontline connected us again with Josh McDowell, and we did the whole uh, the song um, "Current Affair." We Current did "Current Affair. Affair." When you say you love me, it doesn't matter. Uh, this melody explicitly is out to be everybody's tale with moral, oral, especially with sassy sample signing bass. The whole song is about this girl that gets into this affair. You know, sex It's about premarital sex uh-huh. and about the, go- the the lows and the highs, the good and bad. Uh, and so we're taking a lot of Josh's information and just putting the apologetic into hip hop. That's what we was doing. You know, and so so that we did a little video with it. And so Frontline flew us out. We did the video. And I mean, 19 year old kids from the hood, from Dallas, Texas, we riding in a white limousine and doing and we were just like, man, what is this? We're doing it. We're doing thing, wow. baby. We're doing it. You know, yeah, so, yeah, it was yeah. so much fun. <laughs> so let's introduce that song. So let's introduce Yeah, that. let's hear it. What's up, everybody? This is your boy, Fred Lynch, way back old school relic. From the past, introducing to you a current affair. Here it is. Check it out. See this melody explicitly is not to be everybody. Tell with moral, oral, especially with sassy sample, sonic basing, booming beats, drum machine. Fashion well, but to keep your mind clear, yeah. because it seems like such a terrible thing to dream. I'll buy dream and watch it vanish like steam. It's like before your eyes, the size of a prize begins to mesmerize, supersize, never endeavor just to see clever and realize. In the end, you have so many wise. No, because it's like, bro, or could you ever find a piece to the puzzle? The answer to the question. The puzzle to the pieces. Listen to our suggestions. Discussing we are preachers. Imperfect but impressing. Just find a teacher and leave out all the guessing. So, give for reception to this rhythmatic lesson. Message, don't you be missing. Court detention session. So, when you say you love me, it doesn't matter. Just met. We can't do that yet. When you say you love me, it doesn't matter. We just met. We can't do that yet. Delirious for serious to think that while you're hearing this number, hundreds and hundreds of other people are wondering and blundering. What will the next day bring? Living from day to day, they can't sing like you or me or be free from an STD. You got kink, now you rank stupid gang. Next time you'll think. It's too late for that statement. Waiting in the clinic when your case went out the window. I'm sorry. No more good to go. Now you're potent, more deadly than a Uzi. You abuse, you woozy, woozy. Friends and neighbors going ooey, ooey. Your tip, it ain't groovy. Second on the list is this girl that gets this up, fell affronted by love, but he was only a scrub. Gave a little hug and he slipped a little kiss to bust a move. Was his only wish. He was a V-E-T-E-R-A-N. That means way back when is where he began. She was a V-I-R-G-I-N. He broke out after he broke her in. Now she's howling and growling. But she's been dogged hearing sounds like down the school hall. He co-perpetrated. You're impregnated. You know what? I think you should have waited. It's like wine, that like ends the mind, but done before time. It's like eating the rind of a lemon. Men and women, you see the trees, but not the forest. Kick in the chorus, please. When you say you love me, it doesn't matter. We just met. We can't do that yet. When you say you love me, 
It doesn't matter. We just met. We can't do that yet. When you say you love, love me, it doesn't matter. Because a parable is durable, it should have a lurable tendency. Now you can see just what we do into this thing that we spell M U S I C. What does it mean to me? M U S I C. We see was never meant to be M I C K E Y F O U S C. You need to be like Coke and have originality. Go beyond the melody and praise the immortality. For in reality, this industry's a gallery. Today's the place we say it's too much immorality and art. The hardest part is when you start to pull up and from the heart. This can't be taught or read upon in a how-to or a how-to-be. 'Cause you don't know, like know what he's done for me, who's done for me, God's done for we. Blowers, but now we see that's why this melody explicitly is out to be. Kick that back. Music you hear on Frontline Rewind episodes is available on iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, and our own website, FrontlineRecords.us. So that was one of our first opening songs when we did, and and that was fun to do. One of the things that we wanted to do, and and, and we drew a lot of fire because of it, but we always wanted to be like current. We wanted to talk about real things that were happening. We, uh, I was raised and I was discipled by uh, my uncle who led me to Christ. He's my great uncle. He's about 40 years older than me. And he would always tell me, have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. So you can know how to reconcile the two. Mm. So you can take the scripture and talk to culture where culture's at. That's wisdom. Yeah. And so that that was always our deal. So we would do things. We'd rap about racism. We'd rap about STDs. We'd rap about uh, being a young black man trying to come up, you know, uh, in, in the world and what that's all about, you know, and and, and the, the hard times of what that's. So those are the type of issues that we would want to rap about. Um, we drew fire from it, uh, but we wanted to, at the same time, we wanted to be relevant. I yeah. guess that's the real word. So uh, some one of the funniest, uh, <laughs> stupid stories, talking about coming up and learning. Uh, so we do Current Affair, and Josh McDowell is started, he signs a deal with Petra, and it was originally going to be Petra, P.I.D., and Josh McDowell. And so we were going to try, and that, that was like, that was our meal ticket. Okay. Mm-hmm. All we had to do is just get that right. <laughs> we would have been all right. Okay. Let me tell you what happened. What happened? What had happened was that would have sold. <laughs> that would have sold more records. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that so, tour would have so sold more records. So we did the first date. We did our first date with Josh. It was at the Arco Arena where the Sacramento Kings played, before the Sacramento Kings ever played. It was right when the arena was built. So it was the brand new arena. We did an opening show, Petra, P.I.D., and Josh McDowell, the speaker. 
So we get there, and when we get there, just talking about just kids, hood rats, okay, as I was saying, and I'm not saying that in any bad way. I'm just, just, let me talk to you about culture. Just Just young young men men trying to come up. I remember we drove a van from Texas to California. We rented a van because we thought, man, we're not going to pay pay any tickets because we had a certain price that we put and said, this is what we'll do it for. And we way overpriced it. And we didn't know it. Now, <laughs> we way overpriced it because we were like, man, you know, we're about to get paid. So we want about, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so, $1,000, multiple thousand dollars. And the, the Josh McDowell ministry was like, well, this is a ministry of so much. Well, you know, I know that, you know, Whiteheart gets such and such and does so and so. So what are we going to do? So we're, we're, we're vibing for that whole thing. Foot, foot not even in the door fully yet. So they agree to it, but they agree to say, and we didn't know behind the scenes. I found out later on. They said, well, let's just watch this guys and watch this group. If it works, then, you know, we'll negotiate with them. So instead of getting plane tickets, we rent a van. We drive the van all the way out. And when it's time to get ready to go on stage, uh, I remember being at the foot of the stage at the steps and they introduce us, P-I-D. And my two other members <laughs> were driving because this was a, an arena. So you can drive the van inside the arena. So they were driving the van backstage inside the arena talking about, boy, we about to kill this show. <laughs> Not realizing it was time for them to get on stage. Now, understanding also, let me bring in a little extra cultural cultural background and element. White evangelical programs, okay, versus what we were used to, kind of black church, okay, yeah. where it's a whole concept and it leans heavy on spirit-led and you just flow and when it's time, y'all get up and pray for me, you know, and da-da-da, and you take your time and then you kind of ease into it and boom, you're jamming. BPT or CPT is colored people time, <laughs> okay? That's what she's talking about. And this is what's amazing about it. Just about all over the world, you go to India, you go to Africa, you go to China, you go to so many places, so many other cultures, it's not necessarily about the time. It's about the moment. And they will just kind of hang around till the moment happens. Some cultures, it's about time. And it's like, okay, the moment it needs to happen within this particular schedule. <laughs> so that particular, that that culture was the culture at that moment and at that time in white evangelical. So we had Petra on for this amount of time. PID is going to be for this amount of time. So they say PID... I'm getting ready to run on stage. I look back at my boys. They in the van driving, talking about, oh, we about to kill this show. We about. I was like, guys, they're calling us now. So they jump out of the van. We all run and, and we take the stage. One of my members grabs a microphone stand and grabs the stand. And I mean, this was how we rocked shows back in the day. We just, we would attack the stage. So he's not knowing it was just part of him. He grabs the microphone stand and throws the microphone stand. When he throws the microphone stand, he didn't know it, but he threw the microphone stand right into the guy who was the director for the entire event. Like, hit him. And part, let me get a little bit more, let me just give you a little bit more pain, a little bit more context. This particular member growing up, how we grew up in the hood, he didn't smile, and it wasn't natural for him to smile. And especially around white folks. 
he more or less like, I don't trust you, if, especially a white male. I do not trust you. I found out, like, can I give you some real tea? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I found out later on, I might get in trouble for this. Bring it. Come on. I found out later on, this member would carry a gun with us on our tours. And I was like, dude, you carrying a gun? With, with, and you with, throw mic stands ministers, at white guys? We're ministers to, to the church folks. <laughs> you know, we're in churches rocking. But but where he came from, yeah. that, that you just... If you're going, you know, you're traveling all over, you got money, you need to have your peace. Yeah. So that was him. That was just, that was him. And it I was still trying to disciple. Yeah. I was trying to <laughs> disciple him. And so I didn't, I didn't know about the gun to way later on down the line. But, but so he kind of had this, what we call the ice grill, what we call that smirk, that, that, that swagger, you know, uh, the whole concept of the word swagger came, you know, from way back in the 60s, you know, uh, soul on ice, cleaver, elders cleaver, you know, the whole idea of my sense of cool, my sense of self, my sense of self-worth is has to be protected. <clears throat> this man held that very well. And it often came off as a threat. And so while we were in this environment, we didn't realize that these white evangelicals were watching us the whole time. And all they picked up was that we're very hostile. Um, we're hard to work with. You know, we want to yeah. do our own thing. And so when we get up and it's late and my man throws the microphone at him, the director of the entire show, our first song, the kids are going crazy because it's hip hop. It's rap. This was the 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was mostly rock and now it's a Christian rock. So the kids are going nuts. We're going nuts on stage. But the director was doing the cut it sign with his throat saying, get them off stage. Because he's thinking this is going to be a disaster if we try to go on tour. There's going to be a fight or something like that. So he's like, get them off stage. Now, to show you, show you what we didn't realize we do the first song, kids are screaming. We're like, all right, let's get our set. And all of a sudden we look down and somebody says, wrap it up, wrap it up. This is what we thought. <laughs> Can I tell you what we thought? <laughs> Here we go. We thought, we just murdered it. Oh my gosh, that was so amazing. All we had to do is one song. This is what we thought. And didn't realize that we got blackballed right there. So what was the first song that you guys played <laughs> at, first, that, at yeah, the arena? The first song that we did was a song that was about uh, Daniel and about King Nebuchadnezzar and all of that. And the whole idea of it was called, it was called Don't Bow. And Don't Bow was about don't give in to peer pressure. So it's for kids talking about don't bow down to the, the pressures of this world. Mm -hmm. And so it was King Nebi. King Nebi was Nebuchadnezzar. Uh -huh. King Nebi had a dream about a gold-haired man. You know, and it goes on in this story about how Daniel and how, how the three Hebrew boys, rather, they decided Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, yeah. you know, <laughs> uh, was told about, but they said no, you know, and so we do all that whole story. So, guys, this is the song that we did, and we felt like we rocked it so hard that we just shut down the night. <laughs> In one song. We, we Beyonce in the arena. <laughs> With one song. Here it is, y'all. Don't bow. <laughs> we are P.I.D. And here to stay. So listen very close. Do what we say. Don't bow. Don't bow. 
know about a golden man He had a face like me with a mic in his hand Nebby wasn't very smart, he didn't understand So we sent across town for D, his main man So Daniel got the message and came to the castle He said, dummy, what's up? I don't want no hassle When Nebby said I had a dream He said, what's up with that? You know, I think another day he's just an overage brat Don't bow Don't bow Listen me, boy. Oh, I throw you to my lions just for a play tour. Now back to the reason that you came here, cuz. Come on, describe the statue. You can give me your buff friend. He was gold. Yo, that's what I'm told. He was silver. Shines even when it gets old. He was brass. Not material of the past. He was steel. Bowing down, here is the thing. He was clay. Just do what we say, yo, friend. What? Yo, friend. What? Yo, friend. What? I think it's time to pray. Don't bow. Now that we're these three brothers Cold chillin' the show Shadrach, Main Shack, and the Bendigo Won't say what up with that king Won't say he's doing his thing I think the kid is real whack because he's putting fake rain he was acting real stupid And they say he ought to quit it He said battle to my stack Homeboy, forget it, don't bow You on your face, your hand, your knees, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego caught in a fiery frame because they did say no. The king threw in, he didn't understand. He checked in three, but he saw a fourth man. He looked a little closer, thought to wipe his face. It was JC and I'm on the rock to our base, so don't buy. Show you kind of the providence of God, maybe 10 years later, um, kind of let me give you a little bit more context to color the picture better. Uh, so we did pre-ID. Um, that particular member, I had to kind of pull him to a place of discipline. And, and eventually he is my dear friend, but I had to I had to let him go out of the group because it was too much hostility and all of that would constantly crop up and we would have the pattern of that. Yeah. And the particular word that got on us was that we were too hard to work with and, and, you know, and so on and so forth and all of this. So I, I ended up letting him go. Uh, but once I let him go, you know, we, we, we survived for the next eight years as a group. We did six, five albums all together and the whole deal. So it was about 15 years later, actually. Uh, so I did my PID run, and after the PID run, uh, I I disbanded the group and I went solo. When I went solo, I ran back into Josh McDowell, and Josh asked me to go on tour with him, and I traveled with him for ten years. Mm. Now, one day we were at a an arena in Colorado, uh, in Columbus, Ohio, and the director of his tours was standing next to me. It was about to happen. We we're about to do this show. 8,000 kids are outside waiting to come in. So now I, you know, the blessing, to show you how God providence. So I solo and I'm doing shows for eight, 10,000 kids just as the host for Josh McDowell's event. So I still get to do hip hop as well as I get to 
develop my speaking ability mm-hmm. and to speak because that was where God was eventually taking me. Mm-hmm. But I'm standing before the show starts, 8,000 kids waiting to come in, and I'm standing next to the guy <clears throat> that blackballed us 15 years ago. And so I'm thinking, and I asked his name, and let's just call him John. His name's not John, but I said, John, do you remember the first day that we met in the first concert we did? And he looked at me and said, oh, wait. oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you guys were at the Arco Arena when we first met. I said, yeah, do you remember the first show we did? He said, oh, yeah. Like, it wasn't a thing in his mind. And and I kind of asked him, I said, do you remember what happened when the guy threw the microphone on the stage? He said, yeah, I remember that. Oh, my gosh, I thought you guys were crazy. I just told him, take you off stage and just, you know, I'll never work with you all again. And it was like that for him. I wanted to say, you ruined my life for 15 <laughs> years because of one simple decision that you made. But in truth, he didn't because it was an opportunity for me to grow. as an opportunity for me to understand different cultures and understand how where I come from and understand how to value my culture, but know how to cross over into other cultures. Yeah. You know, understand the idea of incarnation, what it's about, and understand a bigger thing that's at hand regardless of whoever's culture, mm-hmm. what is God wanting to do with the yeah. kingdom, yeah. you know, and the purpose of the kingdom. All of those lessons like came at that moment there in Columbus, Ohio, as we were getting ready to rock for 8,000 kids. I was like, wow. You know, just interesting just how things kind of go in cycles mm-hmm. and circles. And so I, I'm grateful. I've had a, a blessed uh, career. I've, I'm, I'm a grateful kid, no doubt. This music... Yeah. Yeah. This music, people people that that did buy this music, mm-hmm. they were blessed by this. Yeah. You may have changed lives, changed their thought process. Kids got saved from yeah. the hood. Hood rats got yeah, saved. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. me about it. did you have that firsthand experience of of leading them? Yeah, that was one of the things because we call our group preachers in disguise. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the members of our group, his name is Barry G. Uh, he was the kid that was in the youth group. He was the street kid. <clears throat> to me, Barry G was a real MC. I was a preacher trying to learn how to become an MC. I mean, I rapped, I came up on rap, I grew up in rap, but it wasn't necessarily my thing. My thing, I was a Bible nerd. I was mm-hmm. into the Bible. Barry was into the streets. And we got together and started discipling, and I started working with him. And out of that, we started Preachers in Disguise. And it was a rhyme that he had. He said, we're running for the, we're running for the prize. Don't look upon us to idolize. We're just Holy Ghost preachers in rap and disguise. And all of a sudden, it stuck with preachers in rap in disguise, mm-hmm. and preachers in disguise, and we stuck with that, um, and went for years. Uh, and I remember kids, people coming up to me. To this day, I still have people come up to me. Like one of the things that they remember, one of my favorite songs from my first album, "Here We Are," is the name of it. Here we are in Jesus' name. Here we are. That was our whole thing, and uh, we wrote. Uh, I did get you a Bible. Uh, my first rhymes that I ever wrote, like I said, Barry was a real MC. He was just, he could rap off the top of his head. He could freestyle flow. He had swagger. Uh, I had to work at it. And to me, it, here we are. I, I did not get really start to learn how to crush my MC skills to, to me, in my opinion, maybe by third album. 
that I stood, I said, I stand on my own feet as a real MC, as a person that knows how to move the crowd, because that's what an MC stands for, is someone who can move the crowd. MC. All right. So I know we, who was it? Mark Twain? Mark Twain said this. He said, it's a poor man who can take a word and only use it one way. <laughs> that's what rappers do. We take words, we're wordsmiths. Okay, I got one lyric. I said, I'm a wordsmith that's so subversive that when I spit these verses, I'm reversing curses. Okay, <laughs> that's that's a wordsmith. Yeah, that's what that's we awesome. do. So an MC, I know it's spelled E-M-C-E-E, -E -E, but an MC is a person that knows how to M, capital M, C, move crowds. You know, and so uh, it wasn't until my third album that I really knew how to move a crowd. My first couple of lyrics that I started writing uh, was uh, was the, the title, uh, In Jesus' Name, Here We Are. Believe it, I wrote that. Believe it or not, here we are in Jesus' name and our rhymes are raw. From the throne of grace right in your face, not too much treble, but plenty of bass. Never fail, you can tell, always giving Satan hell. I'm BLH, I'm FDL, on the run, having fun, giving glory to the sun. On our way to heaven, but not until we're done. In his will, you can feel, rocking on his holy hill. Together forever, and never be ill. Sure, sure, see the scene, we're making history. In Jesus' name, we'll pee. Like a thread on a fool, you see, as a rule, man's a fool. And when 
wants it cool. Fuck when it's cool. He says he wants it hot. Always wants something that he ain't got. Oh, he's the king of kings and he calls the shot. Gospel devastating rhymes that we possess. Holy, rough, righteous, tough. Jesus is the best. Killing devils, stop the rebels, better than the rest. Pistol paper, top breaker, he can pass your test. This is why John cried in the wilderness. My God is a life creator, a saint motivator, a mind regulator, Satan's devastator, a problem calculator, he's a gift operator. Go anti-sin and don't wait till later. Communicator, your liberator, educator. FrontlineRecords.us, we have all kinds of goodies. Artist bios, links to all the music, and a free music offering when you sign up for the newsletter. Check it out, FrontlineRecords.us. When the song Get You a Bible came to me, it just came like that. And in fact, let me go on and give you the tea on it, okay? Let me give you the background. Uh, At that time, there were only a few MC rappers that were out. Uh, DC Talk had come out. And they did maybe like a they did a song that uh, like a LP is wasn't even a full fledged album. Mm-hmm. And I remember bringing DC Talks album into my man Barry, and we would practice at the church. And I was like, man, somebody's already out. And Barry listened to it, and just with his whole street swagger and vernacular, he said, "That ain't rap." <laughs> <laughs> Now, Toby, Michael, all of those guys, Kevin, they are friends now. Okay, we got love. We got love for each other. But at that time, it was like, that ain't hip-hop. You know, that ain't rap. No, they ain't out yet. And who was out beside DC Talk was um, Stephen Wiley and uh, Michael Peace. And then some group called The Raptures, if y'all go way back. And these were some studio heads that just tried to put out rap, and it was like an abomination. It was not rap at all, and they know it wasn't. So so, so, so we were, so our whole deal was somebody's got to represent the street and where rap really is. Stephen Wiley did a great job. Michael Peace did probably, in my opinion, the best. To me, Michael Peace is the Curtis Blow of Christian rap. He bought it up. He bought it into the face for what people could see and know and understand. Our deal was that we were just younger. We were more connected to what was happening in modern day then. And so we were just kind of, we were going to represent our era. That was our deal. But uh, Stephen Wiley, he was a preacher out of Oklahoma. And uh, he did uh, this rap called A Bible Break. For goodness sake, we're going to take a Bible break. And we heard that. And in our 19, 18-year-old, we was like, that ain't rap. You know, they'll say it. We were just so much. And what's so funny about, to me, about what hip hop is about is hip hop is really the, the language of coming of age. If you like, it's the wonder years in street terms. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you remember the show, the wonder years and all that that represented, you know, and, and put that in street 
and put that in what's happening in the hood, that is what rap is about. You know, and so it's all about understanding, you know, being a man and understanding, you know, braggadocious and, you know, all those type of things. So, so much that fueled us was what is whack and how we're going to prove that we can be better than that. So when Stephen Wiley's Bible break came out, we was like, oh, no, we got to go on and house that. We got to break. No, we got to do better than that. And so I started writing, get you a Bible and get you a Bible just came because it's the scripture. You know, so uh, and it just it was one of the first songs that ever just came to me. I'm a firm believer as artists that we are we are uh, uh, conduits mm-hmm. of the muse. Mm-hmm. You know, the word mm-hmm. muse means to think, you know, and the muse also from the Greeks comes from this idea of the genius or the spirit. So when we are music, it's we are in a state of 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 mm-hmm. of of what the genius of the spirit is giving. I'm a firm believer that music is in the air and some of the greatest songs really are just translations of a greater reality. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so, so some, you know how some songs are transcendent and they just take you to heaven. It's to me, it's the music is often what is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Music is the translation of that. Mm -hmm. All right. And so it flows through you. Get You a Bible was one of the first songs that just flowed through me. I want to hear this. Okay. Get You a Bible. Get You a Bible. Here it here is. Here it is. Folks, right here you have it. Get You a Bible. We're two <laughs> deaf brothers and feeling real good. We're going to rock the microphone just like you knew we would. B I B L E all the letters for all of you out there that all forget us. Get You a Bible. I know you're going to dig this. Get you a Bible. Bible.
That's it for the end of the first uh, series. Les, this has been PID. fun. This has been so much fun just to be able to go back and reminisce, man. It's been good with you. I appreciate it, man. Oh, uh, you are just a special guy. Well, special thank man. Thank you. And I was just so impressed by your heart for God. Well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Great time. No doubt. No doubt.